Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. And what we've been talking about really is what do we do with these anxious thoughts that we have? Like, like what, what are we supposed to do with them? Like, where does this go? Because we have a promise in Isaiah 35, 4 that says this, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. Isn't that a good promise? Can I just read that again? Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. Let's pray. Lord, we do just ask that you would overwhelm us with your grace right now, that the power of the living God would be felt in this place. And like ever before, as we dive into your word, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see and be those that don't just hear the word, but but to be those who do the word. And we experience transformation in our lives. And everybody shouted because they're excited to be at church. As most of you know, I had the privilege of living in Seattle, Washington um, from about 2005 to 2011. I learned a lot about life, learned a lot about me in Seattle. I like to say I was born in Houston, but Seattle made me, right? It was a formative season in my life. But I didn't just learn a lot about me, learn a lot about God. I also learned a lot about the earth. Now, check this out. Seasons are real. I know this is hard for us to understand, right? Because we're in Texas. Because it's like you go to bed, it's 90. You wake up in the morning, it's 20. And while you were sleeping, winter. Right? Like that, that's like what I grew up with, right? There, there, I, I didn't know that there was like this progression that, that the seasons kind of went through that were fascinating and beautiful and leaves like changed colors. Like I didn't know that it, just, it didn't go from like green to then brown. Like there's this gorgeous thing that happens in fall that I had never seen before. And like I'd be walking around in this like lush forest in the Northwest and you're like, this is amazing. Like no one ever told me that seasons were real. I thought it was just like pictures in a book. Now here's, this is what really tripped me out. Do you know that like snow exists? Like I'm talking about snow, not like a flake that falls on your windshield and you pull the car over and you Instagram it and you're like, it's snowing. That's not what I'm talking, that's not snow. Okay, that's a random snowflake. It's not like that you, got, you, you take a picture with your friends and you've got like three snowflakes in your hand and the caption is hashtag playing in the snow. Okay, that was my experience with snow. But I moved to Seattle and then I got to like experience snow. And it's it, like snow is amazing. It's colder than I thought. Like it looks so like plush and like soft. It's not, it's cold and hard, but I I had this kind of epiphany because you got to understand Seattle rains like almost every day. For like eight months, it's like this gray mist that just hovers over the city and it kind of starts messing with your brain a little bit. 
you know? Like you kind of feel like the sky's caving in on you, you know? Like is, is the world going to crush me? And, and so like I start feeling a little, little kind of the, the weather blues a little bit. And a buddy of mine said, dude, you got to get up to the mountain." He's like, because look, here's the trick. Like, if it's raining here, it's snowing there. So you got to start playing the mind game. And I'm like, okay, cool. Because you got to understand, Seattle's at sea level. But 30 minutes away, you're in the mountain range. And so it's just like a winter wonderland. Like, you're just driving 30 miles down the road, and then, boom, you're in a completely different place. It's like 30 degrees and wet in the city, and it's dumping snow in gorgeous winter wonderland just 30 miles away. You know, it's like a really hard life. It's really tough. And so we started being like, all right, if it's, if it's raining in the city, it's snowing on the mountain. So we're like, do we got to get into some sort of snow sport? And so it hits me like, you know what? Probably I was destined to be a professional snowboarder. I just grew up in the wrong state. You know, like, that's what I'm thinking in my brain. Like, of course, like I was made for this. Like, I was made to enjoy the snow. And so I, I, I take up snowboarding with my buddy Brian. And, and so we'd go to the mountain, like, almost every week. And, and we're just trying to figure it out, right? And, we, and, and we're progressing. Like, we're getting a little bit better, a little bit better. And we kind of cross that super important threshold. How many of you ever snowboarded before? Like, you cross this threshold. Not very many of you, okay? Enjoy life, people. Live. Okay, like live, do, do something, okay? Um, and so, like, snowboarding's fun. You should try it. And, and so, like, you cross over into where it feels like you're out of control, like just trying to survive. And then all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, I'm in control of what's going on. Like, that's a big moment. When you make that shift to where I'm just trying not to die as I go down the mountain to, oh, I'm enjoying this as I go down the mountain. You're feeling like, oh, wow, man, this is like, I love this. This is great. Now, I kind of hit that point a little bit, maybe too early for my own good. Because I'm thinking, I'm a natural. Like, look at all these people learning, and I already got this. Now, I got it on the bunny hill, though. Right on the bunny hill, there's like 400 people there to help you. You come off the chairlift, it's like, it's like Disney, you know? Everyone's smiling. Oh, have so much fun. We love, welcome to the mountain. We're glad you're here. You know, it's like you like fall over. There's like three people there. Are you okay? But, but as I started getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better, there was this like magnetic pull that started pulling me towards this area of the mountain that was called the Terrain Park. Now, if you don't know what a terrain park is, like it is an area that they've kind of divided off and they've put these elements there, these things that they call features that people have like sat in a room and thought like, how can we destroy the human body? And then they create these things and then they stick them on the mountain and they're like, go have fun. And so I'm watching these, these guys just, like, make it look so easy. And I'm thinking, I'm a natural. They must be naturals, too. Like, that's where I belong. I don't belong in the bunny hill. No, 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 no. I belong on the terrain park. And I noticed that in the terrain park, people didn't wear, like, you know, Columbia jackets that are black. It's all about being seen on the terrain park. So it's like the brighter your jacket, the cooler you are. So I go to the store and I'm like, you know what? I need a neon blue jacket. 
If I'm going to fit in, I need to fit in. So I buy a neon blue jacket. I go to the mountain with my buddy Brian. He's like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, cool. I got this, right? I'm made for this. I'm a natural. I belong here. And so I get on the chairlift that is solely the only purpose that it exists is to get you to the top of the terrain park. And as I get on the chairlift, I notice that there are things that are different, like warning signs. Like, there aren't normal warning signs on the other chairlifts. Like, as you go up, like every pole that you pass as you're riding this chair up, there's like a sign that says, look before you leap. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Then there's another sign that says, make sure you sign your waiver. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a little bit different. Then I get to the top, and I really like, oh, there's not like the welcoming committee like the Bunny Hill, like where everyone's excited to see you, and they're so excited that you're enjoying the snow and that you're learning how to snowboard and all that. Like, no, it's, it's like the cool, too cool for school police have taken over, and like no one wants a friend. No one has friends. Like there's no communication. Everyone is just like in their own zone. They got their little ear pods on, you know, and they're just like, jamming and they won't look at you like you could just go right to their face and they would just be like they don't even see you like it's the most unfriendly environment I've ever been in in my life and so like I get off the chairlift and there's this little snow tent like this dome that you go in and you have to watch a video and then sign your life away basically saying like if you die it's on you Now, all of these things should have been a warning to me that what I'm getting ready to do was completely different than anything that I had yet done when it comes to snowboarding. But I'm like, dude, I'm a natural. I'm made for this. Like, this this is going to be a breeze. This is going to be easy. And so, like, I observe. Like, I look like, oh, cool, that you kind of slide up to this blue line, and then everyone seems to pull their pants down a little bit. They bend down. They adjust their buckles on their boots. They pull their jacket down. They adjust their $5,000 goggles that are so cool and, like, huge, like a windshield on their face. They got a little beanie, little flap, you know, going on. And they kind of check everything out. They push play on their playlist, and then they go, Next! And like jump into this thing, this like this super steep hill that takes you to the first feature, which is called a kicker. Okay? And, and what that is, is basically a ramp made of snow. And, and so if you feel like you're in the X Games, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you've ever watched that before, but it's like the whole vibe, man. They got the music pumping, and it's just like, you people are watching, and you're thinking like, oh, dude, yes, this is it. This is my moment. And these guys are like flying off this kicker and doing spins and flips, and people are screaming and like throwing children in the air, being like, you're amazing. And I'm like, I'm made for this. So I go up to the blue line and I just do everything that I've seen everybody else do. Like I've been there a million times, pull my pants down, adjust my goggles, snap my buckles, you know, make sure. I don't even know what I'm trying to make them feel like. You know what I mean? It's like everyone else just seemed to kind of adjust their buckles. And so I do it. And so then I go, next. And I jump down and start sliding down. Now, almost instantly, things begin to go terribly wrong. Like first... The transition, like the way there is like way steeper than it looks, like way steeper than it looks. And so I am flying. Now, at this point in my snowboarding career, (laughs) uh, speed was not my friend, right? So I'm thinking like, no, 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 no. And as I'm getting faster and faster and faster, the jump seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Like from the top, you're like, oh, that's just like a little bitty, you know, and then you, you start sliding towards it. You're like, oh, no, that is huge. 
Like that is a that is a that is a rocket ship that I'm getting ready to launch myself in. Right. So I start like trying to slow down. You know. Okay. Rule number one: never slow down. Because if I would have followed the signs, if I would have asked for help, that what was the first sign that I saw? Look before you leap. Because it's not like you do a jump and then there's just the slope. No, 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 no. There's this area in the middle that's called the knuckle. And it's where they have basically cut a flat part on the backside of this snow-built ramp that if you land on it, you will die. And so speed is your friend. Like, you need the momentum of the transition to be able to make it over the ramp. Now, I didn't know that, so I'm like slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, and I get to the top, and it's just like all heck breaks loose. I launch off the top of this thing. You would have thought I was in a car because I start rolling down the windows on both sides. You know what I mean? Right. And then all of a sudden my snowboard goes from like this direction to this direction. And I get this weird like pumping motion going. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, like I'm like watching myself like self-destruct in the air. There's no cheering. There's no children being thrown. No one's saying, wow, this guy's a natural. He's made for this, right? It's just like gasp of, of fear for my well-being. And then I look down. And I see, oh, I'm not going to make it past this thing that they call the knuckle. I'm going to land right on it. And I start coming down. And if you hit the knuckle and you hit it with enough force, it somehow rockets you into the air again. And so I land on this thing. My snowboard turns into like a springboard, and I fly forward. Then I hit like head first, and I start flipping down the mountain. Like everything that could come off my body starts coming off my body. Gloves, goggles, hat. It's like a garage sale exploded on the mountain, and I finally stop rolling. And remember, nobody's friendly. No one's saying like, oh, dude, are you okay? They're like, move. <laughs> I mean, I look up. My face is on fire. I'm like, am I bleeding? Like, what is happening? I'm trying to find my gloves, my goggles, my hat. You know, and I look up, and they're like, get out of the way. And I'm like, I think I'm dead. <laughs> I get my stuff together like slide just down the safe zone on the side of all of the features and just get right in my car. And I'm sitting in the front seat being like, this can't be how it ends, man. Like, this can't, this can't be it. I'm a natural. Like, I'm, sp I'm supposed to be able to do this. Like, this is, I don't even think I like this. You know, like, this is not fun. Like, they make it look so easy. It's not easy. And so, you know what? I'm like, I can't, I can't let it beat me. So I get back out, get back on the chairlift, go up to the top, and just launch myself again, again, windows rolling down, pumping, garage sale. And this repeats for weeks. Because I'm like, man, I can't let this thing beat me. Now, I had made a friend. He had started going to our church. His name was Daniel. Daniel was one of those guys that made it look easy. 
Like he would fly off the kicker and do these spins and flips and all this. So he's an incredible snowboarder. And he's like, dude, let's go, man. Let's go snowboard together. You've been saying you've been getting into snowboarding. I'm like, dude, yes, please. Come on. I need your help. And so he's like, let me watch you. So I go, you know, and I, I do, you know, consistency is the key to success, right? So I'm like windows rolling. I'm consistent, man. Like my form is true. I'm pumping the whole deal. I hit, I spring, everything explodes. I gather my things. I check for cuts, you know, I slide all the way down. And, and, and he goes, dude, the issue is not how you take off. The issue is actually not even where you land. The issue is how you're flying. He's like, the chaos in the middle is determining how you land. Isn't that a lot like the transitions in life? Like, you, you, you know where you were. You can even see where you're going. You might have a promise. You might have a dream. You've got some clarity of like, man, this is where I want to end up. This is where I want to be. This is who I want to be. These are the things that I want to get free from. Like this is a picture of me without my addictions. And you can see it. You can feel it. You can even taste it. But it seems like when you're in the middle, you ever felt the wiggle of the middle? You ever felt like when you're not, you're, you're like, I'm not where I was, but I'm definitely not where I want to be. I'm in mid-flight. I'm in transition. And, and that transition place oftentimes will determine not if we're going to hit the destination, but how we experience life in that transition place will determine oftentimes how will hit that destination. It, it, it will determine how we land, not if we land, not if God's good to his promises. No, he's faithful. He's going to get you where he said he's going to get you. But how we get there, oftentimes we can affect by how much peace we can experience in the wiggle of the middle. Like how do we experience the peace of God in the middle of a transition season. If you have your Bible, I want you to make your way. We're going to get there in a few minutes to 1 Samuel, verse 30. 1 Samuel, verse 30. Have you noticed that when you feel yourself like in a transition, you oftentimes start reaching for things and responding in ways that you didn't before, but, but you seem to not be able to help yourself when you're in the middle. Like, I'd never swung my arms like I'm rolling down a window before in life until I was in the chaos of feeling what was solid underneath my feet being removed, that sense of floating, that transitional sense of moving forward into an unknown space caused me to begin to do things and, and to react in ways that, that I didn't naturally do. And, and I've noticed that no matter what I'm doing in life, if I'm honest, something is always in transition. 
Like there, we're, there's always something that's transitioning in us. Some transitions might feel bigger than others, right? Sometimes we feel like we're in a life transition, new job, new city, right? Married, you're, you're in these kind of marker transition seasons. But every day can also kind of feel like a transition because you're trying to move into a better version of yourself. And, and that's not just for those of us in the room that, say that we love Jesus and follow Jesus and we want to be more like him, there's like a human condition to want to try to become the better version of who you are, right? You're hardwired to desire to be transformed. And so in big transitions and in those inner transitions, it's hard to think about a season in my life where I was not in some sort of transitions. Now, these bigger ones, like relationships, like where are my single people in the house? Go ahead, show yourself off, stand up, take a twirl, maybe get a number. I'm trying to help you. All right, we got one single person in this entire church. Way to be a dating church, you know what I mean? Way to go, no single people in the house. But you're thinking like, I, I have a desire to be in a relationship. I have a desire to have somebody, to be married, maybe to have a family, and you can see it, but where you are right now just feels like chaos. It, it, it feels fearful. It feels uncertain, and, and there's an anxiety that that not knowing what the future will, will hold in light of the desires that you have, like there, there's an anxiety that can begin to take us over, and, and that anxiety is the wiggle of the middle. Like you can see it. Like you're like, man, I desire to be in relationship. I desire to not go home and be alone. I want to be married. I want that. I, I want that more than where I am now. And this is where I think we can experience the distraction of transition. Because transitions are not simply to be endured. Transitions hold within them keys. They hold within them momentum to get us into the next season that God has for us. Just like that transition when I'm sliding down, I'm like, whoa, it's steeper than I thought. I'm going faster than I thought, and I actually needed that speed to make it over the pain of the transition. And so oftentimes, in our desire to be in the next season, we miss the opportunity to experience Jesus in the now season. I'm all about looking forward and seeing and dreaming and longing for God to speak some promises to our hearts that we can live for and long for and lean into. But now is not to be wasted. Like now is not just to be endured because if you're anxious now, you're going to be anxious then. But learning how to lean in to the peace of God in the transition, in the wiggle of the middle, in the mid-flight chaos, that will give us momentum to be able to hold us through the transition in the next season that only sets us up for another transition. Because we cannot escape 
transition. And I love that the Bible is a book of transition. The Bible is loaded from Genesis all the way to Revelation with transition. People transitioning from where they are into who God has called them to be, into land that he called them to inhabit, into a heart that he called them to have. The Bible is a book of transition. And and one of the giants in Scripture is a guy named Paul, and he writes for us a Scripture in Philippians 4, verse 6, that helps us understand how we are to thrive in transition. He says this, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Excuse me, in Christ Jesus. Be anxious about nothing. Now, can I just be real with you? This was a passage of scripture that since I was a young teenager, I have read and thought, that's right. That sounds really good. I have no idea how in the world that's supposed to happen. Do you ever read passages of scripture like that? It resounds in your spirit. You're like, man, that's truth. Absolutely. Be anxious about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. You just like read that and you're like, yes and amen, I'm in. Like every agreement word that you know, you're shouting it out. But then you wake up the next morning and you're like, how in the world am I supposed to be anxious about nothing? Because truthfully, I'm speaking for myself here, I'm anxious about most things. So I agree. Yeah, Paul, thank you, bro. Great word. Great. Thank you. This is a great truth. I'm going to write it on a note card. I'm going to put it in my truck. I'm going to put it on my mirror. But how in the world am I supposed to do that? Because the chaos of the middle, the wiggle of the middle, seems to be a lot more vibrant than the promise of this scripture. I can agree, yeah, this is a good word, but this word transitioning into revelation from moving from, yeah, I agree in my mind to this is how I live in my heart, that doesn't just happen because we agree with it and read it. Like what Paul is getting at here is he is saying that there is a place in the heart of God when things that are overwhelming in the chaos of what we don't understand and in the middle of transition that we don't get in circumstances that don't make sense, things that make us anxious, that there's a peace that makes no sense available to us in that place, not on the back end of that place, but right in the middle of it, if we can just learn to access it. And as I was leaning into this, I began to realize, like, you know what? Paul is not just admonishing us to have a, ma- a-, a battle in our minds of saying, like, oh, no, don't be anxious. You're feeling anxious. No, 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 don't, don't be anxious about anything. Like, he- he's not calling us in this moment to simply recite words. He's calling us to evoke a relationship. Because where this breaks through is we begin to understand 
that in Psalms 49, if I can find it here, it says that we are written so he engraved you on the palm of his hand. That, that we're engraved on the palm of God's hand. Like he's holding us. And so although it feels like our foundation in transition has been removed from us, the solid things that we've come to see as familiar and comfortable, those things begin to shift around in transition. And this is why I think the Bible is a book of transition, because God is constantly reminding us and calling us to understand that he's the rock of our salvation, and, and he's actually more firm than the foundations that we stand on with our feet. But when we begin to trust where we stand with our feet and not where we're standing in our heart, it begins to feel anxious. It begins to feel insecure. And so he's called us to live a life of experiencing the, the, the floating of transition, the progression. He's called us to take new ground, to move forward in our life, to begin to see the kingdom of heaven advance in our day. But to do that, to fulfill that promise over who we are as followers of Jesus, it means that we learn to live and thrive in transition. And if we're going to thrive in transition, we have to understand that although we're floating, we're not falling. Because you're, he's holding you in the palm of his hand. He's underneath you, leading you and carrying you through what feels like a free fall, but you're not free falling, you're just transitioning. And when we begin to understand that we're written on the palm of his hand, now you begin to see like, oh, yes, peace is not an emotion. Peace is a person. I'm not trying to chase some sort of internal emotional peace in my soul. No, I'm trying to lean further in to the person who is the prince of peace. You see, peace has a name, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus comes, and when he comes, you begin to see like, oh, I'm floating, but I'm not falling because he's holding me, he's carrying me, he's with me. And in the chaos, in that wiggle of the middle, in that mid-flight, fear-filled, anxious, insecure place, we can experience this, this transcending hope. Because it's like, yeah, I've launched into the unknown. Everything that I've seen is solid, is gone. And, and, but I'm, I, I'm not falling. I'm just floating. And, and, and that's a trust deal. Like, do we really trust that God is who he says that he is? All the anxiety that I deal with in my own personal life ultimately can be boiled down to, do I really believe that God is in control? I, I get really anxious when I fly. Normally it's the, the first leg. I have full-on panic attacks. And it's more of a recent thing, but it's a real thing. I'm not embarrassed about it. It's a season. It's not my future, amen? And... And so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting, flying too hungry, having a full 
bore panic attack. And the truth is, do you know what got me spiraling that thought that I caught that started spiraling me into this fear pit? Was that my kids weren't going to be okay. And so I'm fearful about something that's not even happening and, and it gets so big and so violent internally that I, I'm literally paralyzed in fear, sitting on the plane, gripping the, the seat, the, the arms of my seat, looking straight ahead with tears pouring down my face, just being like, okay, God, you're with me. You're with me. Like right now, I'm scared, I'm anxious internally, I feel like I'm falling apart. I actually feel like I'm falling. I don't feel like I'm floating, but you're with me. You're holding me. You're holding me. You're holding me. And I, that's all I could really say was just like, you're holding me. You're holding me. You're holding me. And it didn't go away for a couple hours. It was a fight. It was a battle. It, 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 was, it was hard. I was, I, was, I, was, I was stirring. I was anxious. I was fearful. But peace is not an emotion. Peace is a person. So I'm not chasing trying to feel different. I'm chasing trying to connect with the person who makes me different. And so I'm like, Jesus, you've got to get bigger than the chaos I'm feeling right now. You, you've got to get bigger than the emotions that are stirring in me right now because right now I'm anxious about everything but you called me to be anxious about nothing and so I'm coming to you and I'm saying thank you that you're with me that you've written me on the palm of your hand that you're under me right now and I feel the uncertainty of the transition that I'm in but I feel the consistency of your plan for my life you know, there's a story in the Bible that I want to end with this morning, and it's the story of David. Some of you know David. 1 Samuel 16, David was a shepherd that started on a long transition because God visited him through a man named Samuel and anointed this young shepherd to become the next king of Israel. But you see, David didn't have a YouTube-accelerated experience. He didn't go viral and then all of a sudden get a record deal. David lived in obscurity for years after God promised him of where he was going to be. He was a shepherd. God anointed him king. He went right back and started watching the sheep. He didn't find himself the next day in the palace wearing big rings and gold chains and, and Gucci jackets. That's not how it went down for David. But David found himself in places of transition where he found the person of peace, 
that gave him a strength and a hope that transcended the understanding of everyone else who was around him because he was connected with the one who gave him his future. He wasn't worried about trying to achieve his future. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes we get so obsessed about where we want to go that we forget that it's God who gives us the desires of our hearts. Therefore, it's on God for them come to pass. It's not on me. It's not on you. And and so David trusted God in the wiggle of the middle. He finds himself face to face with a enemy that no one wanted to fight, that no one wanted to have anything to do with. And this enemy was named Goliath. He was a giant of the Philistine army. And David went and did what no one else had the courage to do. And he defeated Goliath and not just defeated him. He took Goliath's sword and cut off Goliath's head. You would think, oh, wow, that's the moment, right? Like now he's going to transition from obscurity into becoming the king. But no, that's not what happened. He was still in a transition. He was still in the wiggle of the middle because the current king, King Saul, said, you know what? I'm threatened by David. I'm threatened by now he has authority. I'm threatened by the fact that he did not allow himself to get anxious but experienced the peace that transcend all understanding in the middle of a fearful situation. And so now I'm going to hunt David down and I am going to kill him. And so David has to run for his life for years. And as he's running, he develops like this little militia. And you know how the Bible describes all of David's little militia soldiers? It says that anyone who was disgruntled joined David. Wow. Way to go, Dave. Anyone who's bitter and frustrated, how do you think their dinner conversations went, right? Just the complainers, the whiners, the people that blame you for everything. Y'all know who I'm saying? Like, look, look at me, because you might be sitting to somebody you're thinking about. Like, I don't want you to be in a hard situation right now. But like, the thing is, is that we all know those people that just whine and complain. And it's like, God could do something amazing in front of you. And they, they start to be like man it's like so hard right now and everything's horrible and life is so horrible and you're horrible and i don't even know why i'm here right like so everyone who's disgruntled rallies around david this is the guys these are david's dudes david believes in them invests in them and these guys become known as david's mighty men they go on and slay giants just like david did now On this journey to becoming king, in this transition period, David actually aligned himself with part of the Philistine army that he mostly destroyed after he killed Goliath. And so in 1 Samuel 30, David has now aligned himself with a part of the Philistine army, but they didn't really trust him because they're like, you know what, Dave? Like, I know you want to join with us to attack Saul's army because he's now attacking you, but we don't trust you because last time we hung out, you cut people's heads off. And like, so look, actually, we'll still go attack Saul's army, but can you and your mighty men, like, go, just go home. Like, we'll take care of it. We don't really trust that you're, gonna not turn on us and so David and all of his mighty men begin to wait make their way home they were a three-day journey away from home and can you imagine like look I just got home from being gone for a week these guys were probably gone for way longer than a week the only thing I'm thinking about the whole way home is just seeing my kids you know there's just like an excitement anticipation to, to see your family right to see your kids to see your dogs 
don't judge me. I love my dogs so much. And, and so like we were talking about the dogs even on the flight home, you know, and like you're just excited to be home. So this is what they, these were real people. That's what they felt. They were feeling all that emotion, that excitement, like, oh, I just want to be home. Now they start walking home. And like if, if their kids are anything like my kids, like my boys, as I was driving into our neighborhood from the airport last night, my boys were blocks away from our house, waiting on the corner, screaming and waving their hands, right? They come and like jump on the truck as we're driving around. Like they're just like, they're, 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 so you know that their kids would have been seeing people when they start turning the corner to where you can start seeing that there's a crowd. Man, they were probably running up the path, jumping into their dad's arms. So that's where their expectation is. They've come home from battle before, but when they turned the corner this time, they didn't hear the chatter of kids running up the path. They saw billowing smoke and their entire city destroyed by the Amalekites. And it says that David's men were so upset, they were so bitter, they, they were so angry in their hearts that it says that David was greatly distressed, this is verse 6, because the men were talking of stoning him because each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. Because this is what happens when you're in the wiggle of the middle. You can respond like David's men responded, where they didn't lean into the person. They leaned into the emotion. And so they were, they were bitter, and they wanted to take it out on somebody. They wanted to blame David for taking them away from their home. But that verse goes on that says, but David found strength in God. Oh, I wish I could have seen David finds strength in God. I don't know what happened. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened. It goes from David found strength in God to David going back to his men. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding was on him, was in him. And it was so overwhelming that it overwhelmed them. And then all of a sudden, they rallied around the man they wanted to stone. And they went raided R on the Amalekites and got back everything that they stole, all their kids, all their wives. It's complex right it was a weird season with multiple wives but they all came back because what happens when you lean into the person of Jesus and realize that you're floating but not falling there's a contagious peace that comes on you and that contagious peace is for our families it's for your coworkers that are gonna see you in the wiggle of a transition and not respond the way that people without the person of peace in their lives responds. And they're gonna say, why are you not anxious? Why, why are you not worried? And you say, look, I am, I'm floating, but I'm not falling because God is carrying me. I'm written on his hand. Every day of my life has been written in his book. He's in control. I'm not in control. And yeah, it's wiggly right now, but the wiggle of the middle, the chaos of that mid-flight, that transition season, I'm looking for the person. I'm not looking for an emotion. And when I 
find him, I find that he's with me, that he's holding me, that, that, he's, that he's not going to allow me to experience anything that he hasn't created, created me to overcome, to endure, to experience life in. Because to live is to be in transition and to thrive is to see that peace is not an emotion. Peace is a person and we can experience him and see him and look at him face to face and allow him to pick us up in the palm of his hand and to not necessarily change our circumstances but change how we see our circumstances it might not get easier but it does get more peaceful because the person of peace is with us the the person of Jesus is holding us who he is his consistency his character look I don't know what your chaos is right now I don't know what you're in the middle of this morning but I know that if you're here then you're in a transition I know it because you're a human and we're always transitioning and look I want to tell you that there is a hope in the chaos of the transition and he has a name and his name is Jesus and I believe that some of you this morning are wondering can I really live an anxious free life like can I really experience peace that surpasses understanding can I really say you know what I'm not going to be anxious about anything but with everything with prayer and petition make my request to God and experience the peace of God that transcends all understanding begin to rule and reign in my heart and in my mind and the answer to that question is yes you can yes you can you don't have to be anxious you don't have to be overwhelmed you don't have to look at tomorrow and say I don't know how I'm gonna make it because you're not falling you're floating he's carrying you he's with you he's holding you amen stand to your feet let's pray to